Welcome to the Asia Society Hong Kong Movers and Shakers podcast. Through the short interactive fireside chat, we get to meet with the leaders and game changers in different industries for insights into their personal journey to success, what they learned, how they failed, and other interesting wisdom they may want to share. Today's podcast is with Dr. Alan Zeman, founder and chairman of the Langkwai Fong Group, a major property owner and developer in Hong Kong's Langkwai Fong area, one of Hong Kong's most popular tourist and entertainment districts. Dr. Zeman is a board director of the Alibaba Entrepreneurs Fund, a board member of Hong Kong Airport Authority, and serves as independent non-executive director of the Sino Land Company, and is also a non-executive chairman of the Win Macau Limited, a prominent gaming operator in the U.S. and Macau. Having lived in Hong Kong for over 45 years, Dr. Zeman has been very involved in government services as well as community activities. He was a chairman of the Ocean Park from 2003 to 2014 and is now the park's honorary advisor. During his time in Ocean Park, Dr. Zeman managed to raise visitor numbers despite the opening of rival Hong Kong Disneyland, making the park more attractive and generating record profits. Dr. Zeman met with Asia Society Hong Kong to conduct the following interview. You're pretty busy running uh, Fong Group still, yeah. and you have uh, global property projects in yeah. China, Thailand, Hong Kong. Something that we like to ask our guests, and I think would be interesting for you, is do you have a morning routine? What does uh, the first, say, hour of your day look like? The first hour of my day, every day for the past 38 years, is exercise. I uh, wake up every morning, no matter where I am. Uh, I could be in hotels, I could be traveling. The most important thing is a gym. And so I have a big gym in my house in Hong Kong, uh, but uh, when I travel, I make sure the hotel that I'm staying in has a good gym. To me, I don't go by how good the room is, I go by how good the gym is and the kind of equipment. And I do an hour and 20 minutes every day of my life for 38 years. Yeah, I've never ever missed a day. Really? Even when I'm sick. Oh, really? I'm disciplined. This morning I had to go stand with one of the candidates for a sun, ele- coming election Sunday, oh. they needed me to go and stand in yeah, the street and wave, send my support, which I did, but I had to meet her at 8, 8 a.m. because that's when people are going yes. to work in, in Aberdeen, and uh, I was up at 5 in order to exercise so I can get there right, and uh, this is something I'm really, really disciplined on. And like tomorrow morning, I've got to give a speech to Deloitte, you know, for their board, they want me to be a guest speaker. Mm-hmm. Again, it's early, I'll be up early to exercise before I do the speech. It's amazing discipline. Have you always been that disciplined your entire 38 life? 38 years. Wow. Yeah, maybe going on 40, something like that. It's, uh, I'm very disciplined on that because uh, I believe uh, exercise really uh, broadens your mind, mm-hmm. really, you know, it's a great way to start the day yeah. and you feel refreshed, you've accomplished something, give you a sense of, of achievement yeah. and uh, um, even if you have any stress or anything like that, get rid of it. Uh, because I enjoy exercising, reading uh, the newspapers while I'm exercising. I have the ability to do that yeah. and, and watch uh, the, the news on TV. And, and uh, that helps me to uh, broaden my perspective and, and also is healthy. If we could go uh, to sort of your humble beginnings, I guess mm. you have a very global story. You were yeah. born in Germany, raised yeah. in Canada. Yeah. Um, and quite tragically, you lost your father um, at a young age. Uh, yeah. Seven. Do you remember that moment in your life and how it impacted your current trajectory? Um, I think, if anything, you know, now, um, I mean, I was born in Germany. I'm not German. I was, right. uh, uh, my parents were traveling through oh, Germany at really? the time. I happened to be born there. It was an accident. Yeah, well, I happened to be born there, okay. but uh, I was 
it's about six weeks old when wow. I left, something like that. Right. So, yeah. But people still think, <laughs> oh, you're German. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm not German. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously my, my dad died at the age of 50. I think I was seven years old, uh, a very young age. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, of course, it was, uh, he was never sick. And, you know, of course, it was had a heart attack. Uh, just in, at that time, they didn't have the... Uh, medicinal knowledge that they now have today, and of course, uh, he so he had a blood clot and kind of died, and and uh, and uh, if of course when you're seven years old, you don't really understand exactly what it is, but it kind of um, hits home early when you realize that you're never going to see him again, and. Uh, it, if anything, I believe it made me stronger. It made me more mature. I grew up really quickly right. at a very young age, and it prepared me for the world ahead. It, it uh, uh, you know, I started working. I was going to school, but I was delivering newspapers when I was ten years old, right. and because I didn't come from a rich family, I came from a very moderate family, and uh, I had a mother and an older sister. You know, both working, and my sister lived in New York, and. I was in Montreal with my mother, and, and uh, it just, you know, um, so it prepares you. I was delivering newspapers and earning my first money, and I, I was kind of making more money than my teachers at that age. Right. And then at 12 years old, I got a job, as, you know, in the, on weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in a steakhouse cleaning tables as a busboy. Right. And, uh, and uh, between my paper route and my my bus busing job, I was earning about sixty dollars a week. And your teachers, the U.S. My teachers were like thirty-five, you know? <laughs> and and uh, and so I always had much more money. When I was sixteen, I bought my own car. I was the only kid in in, in school, high school, that had his own uh, convertible, Chevy Tino. Wow. Nova convertible. I was very popular with all the women, <laughs> of course, <laughs> and. Uh, but it just, you know, my teachers couldn't even afford a car. Amazing. And so it just kind of, it kind of uh, prepares you for the world, entrepreneurship. You know, it really, you realize what the world is all about, that by hard work and, and, and um, thinking out of the box and, and, and being clever, uh, you have the ability to really um, drive your, you know, drive your future. If we could just stay on that track, I mean, yeah. it, it sounds like um, you were saying you were making more money than your teachers at that yeah. time. And I mean, the take on formal education, um, it sounds like you have always been an entrepreneur. And um, a lot of people don't agree with sort of the, the current system. What are some things that you would uh, say improve upon the education system today? Like, what would you tell Education system in Hong Kong? Yeah. I think we're living in a very funny age, you know, uh, because we're living in an age where, because technology has become so important, yeah. every, it, it, it's the most important thing in everybody's life. And, and uh, the problem is that uh, because of it, um, um, it's, you know, the kids uh, are more advanced than the teachers who right. didn't grow up in that era. And I guess it's like the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> Um, you know, the modern day industrial revolution, whereby, um, you know, a two year old is born and, 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 and I think born with, a, with an Apple phone in his, in his or her hand, you know. Born digitally. <laughs> yeah, born digitally. And, uh, it, it, and so two year olds on the internet, you know, and, and basically um, by the time you get to school, they know 
they're further advanced technology-wise than their teachers. And I find that uh, because technology has changed so quickly, uh, schools have a, have a hard time keeping up with the changes. Uh, instead of staying ahead of the change, because technology just moves so quickly. Uh, like in the old days, okay, it took time to change things, and yeah. so school could always stay ahead of the curve. Right. Today, I find most schools are behind the curve right. because of it, and, and there's a shortage of, of instructors or teachers mm. who are qualified to kind of uh, teach yeah. within, uh, within what the new world is all about. Uh, and and, and uh, so, uh, you know, that's, and because globalization, where it's just a totally different world, uh, just doing business today is global mm. rather than being, um, you know, being, being secular, being, you know, and, and, and uh, if you look at uh, even the U.S. today, uh, something like Donald Trump, there's no idea because, you know, the problem is the, the hierarchy are in their 70s mm. and, you know, he knows how to tweet basically, right. but that's the extent of it, you know, yeah. and, and uh, so they really don't have knowledge or idea of, of where to take the, the world. And that's why, to me, China is at the moment uh, further ahead <laughs> in many ways in technology than the rest of the world, you know. Uh, because uh, for China, technology really helped 1.4 billion people yes. because they all had hardships lining up for everything, you know, payment right. for everything. It's eliminated money now, Z payments, you know, Alipay, WeChat Pay. Uh, you, want a, you want a car, DD questioning like Uber, you yeah. know, you want a restaurant. Every day before, they all had to line up for buses, exactly. line up for taxis, yeah. line up for everything. Their whole life was lining up. Technology came along and uh, changed all that. You know, WeChat, Weixing has over 1 billion users today. Everyone's connected. And it just made their life so much easier. That's why they're able to adopt it much quicker than quicker, right. Americans or Europeans or even Hong Kong because we had a more kind of advanced life and it was easier. And, and, and that technology forced China to keep creating and that's why in 5G and AI they're, right. they're ahead of the curve. Now the West is trying to catch up. And now the West is trying <laughs> to catch up by inventing, uh, they're spying and you know, right. 5G, Huawei, all the other BS. Panicking. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. If we could stay sort of on the education yeah. track. Um, in terms of uh, you, you, you've done amazing things, and you've uh, you've credited a lot to your team uh, and finding good yeah. teams and building yeah. good teams. And uh, you know, some of your the people yeah. you've mentored, like yeah. Bruce Rockowitz, he was yeah. a tennis player, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. And Simon Squibb was selling ads on the back of posters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those They're just a few. <laughs> uh, just a few. But you were able to see talent and potential in people who didn't have the best education, best yeah. resumes. Yeah. What about them did you see? For me. When I do an interview for someone, um, I usually very rarely look at the resume. I mean, I look at it. Right. Uh, one of the most important things that I won't do is if I see a resume where uh, somebody every year changes their job, because um. I see a lot of that. There are people that are unsettled, that I know they're unsettled within themselves. can't be that every company they've worked at is not the right company. Yeah, so the likelihood is them. this won't <laughs> be the right company. And so it's just usually there. They're, they have, uh, um, uh, they're, they're usually not confident in themselves. 
and always are kind that find fault with everyone else, but they're always okay. So, so I don't look at a resume. Normally, I'll do an interview and just talk to you and just see um, what. Look at your face. Look at your eyes. Look at your confidence, ability. Look at how you speak. Uh, look at your choice of words. What you, what, you know, how you come across. If it's natural, right. if you're not nervous, um, that'll get me to the second okay. base. The second base. So that's the first part. I'll go first base. <laughs> yeah, and then of course uh, uh, we'll do a second interview and same kind of thing and really just see if if, if there's compatibility between uh, the two personalities. And uh, where you came from, you know, and what, you know what your last job was, what, you know what your track record is, uh, that kind of thing. And then, if it seems okay, even if you're not the best, if I think that you have the potential to develop, that's okay too. I'm happy to uh, get somebody young and fresh that uh, I think, you know, has has a brain. So as long as they had the right attitude, the right mindset. Attitude, mindset, confidence positive that's very very important because yeah because the hardest thing is to get somebody who's negative about everything right and 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 uh you know and when you're and just not confident in you know themselves not confidence in life right and which there's a lot of people like that you know and uh it's hard to move forward you know it's i say a company success is usually like building a good sports team you know Each player in each position should be, uh, doesn't have to be a superstar, but but, but needs to be a good, you know, good solid citizen, you know. And uh, then it's up to you as the leader to put everything together and use strengths and weaknesses, because everyone has strengths and weaknesses in the right way. So if you put the position together, and then it's working. If you have too many superstars, it's not good. Then then you don't have cohesiveness. Right. So ego's getting in the way. Ego's getting in the way. And so it's it's good if you if you really have, it doesn't have to be the best team in the world, but the team that plays together. Right. So if you work together and play, and everyone has a different, uh, um, can bring a different aspect to the business. So there's level of competence and character. Absolutely. And they have to care about Absolutely. people. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. what's... Well, because that's what business is all about. That's what life is all about. Even, right. if, even if you're an engineer or whatever. Right. Um, it's still just having that thinking out of the box, mm-hmm. being able to have the confidence and really don't be a follower, be a leader. Now, in terms of um, if we could uh, go back to sort of your career with a... Uh, Colby yeah. International. So you built that from, I think, in 25 years uh, to yeah. the time that you sold it to Leon Fong for 200 and uh, I think 2, 2.2 billion Hong Kong. Correct. Right. Um, in that 25 years, that's amazing. Can you think of a great failure during that time that you, you experienced that you turned into success? I mean, that business was, you know, was, was a trading company. It was export-driven. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the difficulty was because the, the business mostly was governed by quotas. Mm. Uh, how much you could export, same garments, uh, how much you can export uh, in each category and each, each uh, fabric, you know. Um, and so, um, and quotas were like a stock market. Uh, you had to, if you didn't own the quota, you can buy it from someone else uh, temporarily. Because every time you ship, let's say if I shipped a shirt, I needed one 
one shirt quota, uh, cotton shirt, let's say, and he cut quota. It had a category, mm-hmm. and so you could buy it on the open market, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, and so that's why you were forced to open up other offices um, because the quota price might be too high if there was demand for, say, white shirts or something like that. So the quota price could be too high and would knock you out of the box. You couldn't sell to your customers, and so you had to go to underdeveloped countries like at that time, say, Philippines or right. Bangladesh or, you know, um, and, and in order to compete, you know. Mm. And it's, it was finding the right factories, set, building up relationships. Um, and in the end, we wound up having 35 offices around the world, wow. um, everything from South America, from Guatemala right. to Egypt, you know. To Bangladesh, Pakistan, India, Pakistan—you know, all every country, everywhere, where everywhere. nobody else was looking. Yeah, nobody else was looking. So the difficulty was that every country was different. Mm-hmm. Some com- some countries were very corrupt. Uh, in order to do business, you know, you had to do things that you wouldn't normally do, but there was no choice, you know. Right. And and uh, you'd, so you would, um, you know, you learn very quickly. Of course. You stay on the right side of the law, right. but uh, there are just hardships that you have to overcome in order to understand, in order to do business, and, and you know, currencies, volatility of currencies, all these things that uh, uh, you know, factories understand. You know, some factories were better, some were worse, right. some told lies. You know, <laughs> you know. So, so it was really uh, the difficulty with having so many factories and, and so many. Um, countries, you know, setting up a strong infrastructure uh, in, in every country you had to have a buying office mm-hmm. and uh, in the old days they used to hire Westerners for it to head up the office but then as uh, it just wound up that I learned you're better off to have a good local right. uh, because the Westerner would have to ask the local. Right. Every time, yeah, exactly. So in the end you just kind of got rid of the, the, the uh, expats and, and uh, so you know it was just learning about learning about doing business in every country and understanding that the most important thing is the culture of the country understanding right. the culture and because uh, very difficult to change a culture the culture in say Philippines was different than the culture in exactly. Hong Kong you know or yeah. Taiwan or and so um, it's really understanding the culture and then adapting the way you do business to fit into the culture because the culture was much older than you. Where a lot of, say, Americans failed, where they were quite arrogant when they came right. out and uh, thought, oh, well, this is the way we do business and, and you have to, you adapt, have to, to adapt to us. It doesn't work that way because yeah, it's yeah, hard yeah. to change. Right. Yeah, so if you want to be successful, I had to change um, the way I thought, the way I did business to fit into uh, the, the the country, you know, one of the examples I give is in Hong Kong we use bamboo scaffolding right. to build, and uh, if yeah, <laughs> probably because of protests they're yeah. up. But uh, um, you know, in, in, if I want to go to the U.S. and I want to build a building, and I say I need to use bamboo scaffolding, they'll lock me up. They go yeah. crazy, you know, and so it's just adapting to the country, you know, the the mode of, yeah. of operation in the country. It's good advice for international expansion. Yeah. Um, 
there's a quote that comes to mind, uh, especially with your career. It's uh, the best predictor of future success is your record of past success. Yeah. And um, let's go way back. Um, you seem to have always been very successful, mm -hmm. and there's your story of you uh, worked in a lingerie company, and then yeah. you worked in a dress company, yeah. and within your first year, you became a millionaire. Yeah, when I started my own business, in oh. the sweater business, yeah. Well, what, I mean, that that's impressive in itself. What made you different from, uh, say, your peers around that time? Uh, like what made me different was uh, I decided to go into my own business at 19, okay. and 19 years old. Right. And, and uh, I, you know, at that time, I was living in Camden, Montreal at mm -hmm. the time, and I was working for a large dress company right. in Camden. And, and uh, at a very young age, I was a traveling salesman mm -hmm. and doing very, very well, so I made enough money to start my own business. And uh, I, I uh, started doing, uh, so I just thought, you know, the Far East is really um, where the future is going to be. You this know, was in the 70s. In the 70s, yeah. And, and really because I thought that uh, at that time um, unions were quite strong in manufacturing in Canada and the U.S. Okay. And I thought, uh, very difficult with the unions, right. you know, and so I thought uh, maybe uh, Far East was still virgin territory. Right. You were going to want to see this, okay. And yeah. so I, yeah, and, and I, I came out on a buying on a trip to mm -hmm. Hong Kong, because Hong Kong is where all the factories were, right. unlike today. Um, and at that time, it was a British colony. Um, it was very different than yeah, what we was. what we see today. And, and my biggest problem was not not understanding the Chinese language, was understanding the English language because the Brits oh. had such a thick accent, <laughs> and, and they were career career expats. You know that uh, they had their pipe and their yeah. short proper poly, yeah <laughs> proper uh, polyester pants yeah. and so. It was uh, um, it was understanding what they're talking about it was the hardest thing for me, but uh, I, so I came out to Hong Kong at the time and I, I remember telling them that I, and I loved the I loved the energy here I loved the fact that limited government interference no government interference and have a dream make your dream a reality the next day and I thought wow what a great city you know right. and as a born entrepreneur. And plus the tax was 15%. And so in, in Canada, the tax was 50%. So 50, when, I, yeah. when I earned money approximately, when yeah. I earned my first million, I sat down with, I thought I'm rich, I sat down with the accountants, <laughs> said I have a check for a million, not so fast, you gotta pay tax. You gotta pay tax, how much? 50%. I said, 50%, you're kidding, who gets the tax? Socialized medicine, socialized this, socialized that, someone has to pay for it. I'm thinking, how does anyone get rich in this country, right? Well, he said, they, they, you know, so, so no, and then I, then, uh, I said, I could have a check for half a million, not so, not so bad. To, then they, the accountant said, not so fast, said, why, you gotta pay tax, can I just pay tax, that's a corporation. Now you're gonna declare a dividend wow. or personal at a lesser rate, I think I wanted 425,000 uh, out of my million, still a lot of money to a 19 year old, and I said, yeah. uh, um, I said, how does anyone get rich in this country? They said, everyone pays tax, you know, socialized medicine, socialized this, socialized that, someone has to pay for it. And uh, so I was in Hong Kong on a buying trip. I said, what's the tax in Hong Kong? They told me 15% one five. Wow, bright light went off in my head. How many years are we gonna make a million? May as well move out here and uh, yeah, earn some money and go back. And I told my late mother at that time I wanna move to Hong Kong. 
Do you want to move to Japan? No one knew where Hong Kong was, you know. They had just been made in Japan in those years. And so I, I said, no, it's Hong Kong, China. Oh, my God, you know, uh, uh, my son, you know, the communists, yeah. uh, you know. No. I escaped from the communists, <laughs> you know. And, you know, and, and I said, I'm do it for a few years. But I came out here, and I just loved the energy. I yeah. love. And here you're servicing the world, you know. Yes. And, uh, and plus, uh, China was, was still closed society at the time, but I just thought that being on the doorstep of China really gave, you know, it was kind of like uh, candy, like a bait, you know, mm. kind of uh, the 1.4 billion people. Yeah. And uh, that was always the attraction. And uh, I just wound up opening a company here and uh, never looked back. Great. Now, in, in all those years, um, you've seen Hong Kong sort of grow into what it is today. Um, and right now, we're it, it's, it's a little bit tumultuous. But it, it, is, is this something that you've seen before, um, the current situation? Yeah, well, I, I've seen a lot of it. I mean, the uh, 1997, pre-97. Yes. I mean, uh, leading up, the years leading up to 97, when Ma Maggie Thatcher was the UK. UK, yeah. Uh, a lot of nervousness, a yes. lot of people, uh, my God, you know, we're going to be Chinese and mm -hmm. British, British are leaving, and, uh, and the, the big problem that we had was a lot of parents came from, through the Cultural Revolution, right. moved to China, to Hong Kong, and uh, they were, uh, in the 60s, you know, they lost everything, and so they never went back to China, but they remember the old China, mm -hmm. and thought, oh my God, you know, we're sunk, right. and so a lot of them moved to Toronto, Vancouver, and, right. you know, New York, other, you know, other places, um, Australia. And so I saw that was one, the nervousness of 97, pre-97 and post-97. Second one was the Asian financial crisis when everything just dropped. Everything was, was yeah. really very bad, and that was the second problem. The third one was SARS, which was really terrible because... Right. That was a health problem. Yeah. And you had people really didn't want to come to yes. Hong Kong because, you know, health is one thing that yeah. everybody worries about. Yes. And so uh, um, I've seen it, you know, and then of course we've now hit uh, an earthquake, you know. And so uh, um, I've seen it happen so many times yes. now. And, uh, but the good thing about it, Hong Kong is very resilient. Yes, the resilience. It does bounce back eventually, yeah. you know. I mean, uh, and actually, uh, sometimes disadvantage creates advantage. Right. Because property prices will come down. Uh, it gives the have-nots a chance to mm -hmm. get into the market, which is what they can be complaining about. Yeah. And uh, those that take the chance, you know, it's like oh, many people left Hong Kong and then some of them came back because they couldn't earn a living wherever they were, you know. So there will be a bounce back, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, your businesses, um, or just the world in general, what is what keeps you up at night? What's your biggest fear at the moment? <laughs> what keeps me up at night? Uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> no, um, um, I, you know, I mean, I, I actually, I sleep very soundly, oh, to be wonderful. quite honest. I just, my nature is, is, the horse has a big head, let him worry, you know. I've never really lost sleep on, on, on that kind of thing. But, uh, 
you know, obviously the things that you look at is the political situations mm -hmm. around the world, the changing characteristic right. of, of technology changing the world. Well, what's happening in Hong Kong is not just a Hong Kong phenomena. It's in Chile, it's in Bolivia, it's yeah. in Spain, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, Iran. So there is this inequality in the world populism, which is really uh, affecting uh, people's lives. And the rich got richer, the poor got, get poorer. And uh, governments are, many governments are not clever enough to understand that and understand how you can look after the have-nots so that, and, and kind of maybe stifle a bit the haves, you know, so that there's a, a balance uh, between society, you know, and not the steep division. And that's yeah. something that's really, really important. Um, so those are the kind of things that, and of course you need strong leadership. Uh, U.S. president is very important uh, that he or she is, is really dynamic because they're, you know, such a huge market for the world and influence on the world. And then um, China as, as well, that the leader, uh, he or she is very strong again because, uh, and then it's really compatibility, you know, staying together, living together, working together as partners. Um, you know, when you work together, you have a, a shot at all societies, all economies doing very, very well. Yeah. When you're against one another, um, or involved in trade wars, or mm -hmm. you know, just rhetoric and all that causes destabilization and uh, sets you back. This is a time machine question. If you could go back and see your younger self at 20, what advice would you give to a young Alan Zeman? Um, <laughs> uh, the advice I would give is, is, is uh, in Hong Kong, buy more property, <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, I bought property and I did quite well, but never enough, you should know, have because more. <laughs> should have bought more because it was a phenomenon mm -hmm. that uh, just kept going on. And I, of course, I know a lot more now than I knew back then. Right. And, uh, you know, at then it was, everything looked so expensive to me and uh, it was really taking a risk by right. buying what I bought. but. Uh, Today, obviously, uh, you're a lot more wise, you know, so you're a lot wiser, and uh, um, if I say my regret is, that's one regret, I did, I did well more than most, but, uh, uh, you know, but I, never enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that being said, how about to the generation of 20-year-olds today, yeah. what would you tell them? Again, a generation of 20-year-olds, uh, number one, be positive. Be positive be confident. Mm -hmm. Without those two things, you can do nothing. Right. Uh, think out of the box. Um, look for, I, I have a saying, I always say I look at things not for what they are, I look at things for what they could be. Look beyond what other people see. Stand out, be different. Um, you know, um, there's so many products in the world today, you know. Challenge your product. Why do? Why does the world need this product? Uh, what well, you know? Um, how's it priced? Is it? Look at it through customers' eyes, not as a boss. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, these are things that I think are really important. Uh, and if something makes sense, challenge it. Mm -hmm. And if it makes sense, then do it. 
Uh, and don't be afraid. I, I always say, follow Nike. They have a saying, just do it. And don't think too much. You know, if you overthink, you won't do something. So it's really important to, um, you know, if it's not right, you'll know you'll make it right. Don't worry about something not being right. Um, if we could do a little rapid fire here, you don't have to think too much. I'll just ask a few questions. Yes. And no uh, you just give one word answer or whatever comes to your mind. So, um, what is your favorite food? Uh, Japanese. Favorite restaurant in Hong Kong? Um, changes, <laughs> but uh, um, again, some of my own porterhouse uh, fumi. Tokyo Joe, yeah. Tokyo Joe. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite book? Believe it or not, you see all these books here and over there and whatever. Yeah. I've never read a book in my life. Not one. Or not. not one. These are all <laughs> sent to me by people. These are art. <laughs> I, I turned it into art, but uh, literally it's all been sent to me by people. And I don't even know what's in it. Uh, yeah. Well, for our audience, uh, Mr. Zima's office has hundreds of books here. <laughs> yes. uh, it's pretty much a bookstore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but and the reason I don't, I've never read books, only because I like to experience things myself, okay. you know. And so I read six newspapers a day. Newspapers, yeah. Okay. And I read magazines, business magazines, uh, and that to me, um, I love that, you know. I, that that and so I'd rather do that than than uh, sit down with a book. A book for me is someone else's experience. I need to have my own experience. Looking back, you said you've had a few regrets. You would have what? You would have bought more uh, real estate. Yeah. But um, I think that, in terms of uh, the life that you've sort of made and uh, mm -hmm. the the people that you've affected yeah. and what you've done for the city has been amazing. Yeah. And uh, I think this is a great time to uh, end this interview. Uh, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. <laughs> um, well, wow, that was amazing. If if you had any final advice, uh, yeah, yeah, for these kids, like uh, you, yeah. you, you've never have you written a book? Uh, like I've been book? asked many many times. Yeah, I'll try looking for it. You've never, no, I've never written. It's a book. not something and I've that I've been asked many many times. Maybe at some point in my life I'll uh -huh. do it because uh, could somebody ghostwrite it for you? Yeah, yeah I, I know. I've been asked many times. Yeah, I wouldn't do it myself. I couldn't physically have the time, but uh, oh. somebody would have to ghostwrite it for me. Well, I, I, uh, one of the interviews that I did was with Po Chung, yeah, um, yeah. and he's releasing his book right now. And how he wrote it yeah. was, it was just uh, very similar. He just, it was over the phone. Yeah. They recorded yeah, him, yeah. asked stories, and then they transposed it into his book. Is that something that you... It's possible. You know, I just <laughs> need to find the time because I do so yeah, many things. Busy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do so many things, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you ask me any final words for young people, is, is, is uh, yeah, never give up, you know. Uh, be competitive, never give up. Believe in yourself, uh, be a good person. That's something that's very, very important. Give back to society, um, which is really one of the keys, you know. Yeah. Don't be selfish, don't just, take it for yourself, you know, if, if you have a chance to give back to society, uh, help others. And, and uh, in the end, just if you're a well-rounded person uh, all around, um, never think you're better than someone. Right. Uh, I always 
remember where it came from. And uh, no matter how much money you have, uh, the one thing I learned is we all come from our same place. No matter what religion you are, no matter what facial color you are, no matter what makeup you are, we all come from our mother's womb. Mm. Everyone I know is born from the same place. And, uh, and then uh, uh, life for everyone is a different set of clothes, you know? Mm. Uh, it depends family you're born into, and, and uh, it's like a different designer label, you know? And, uh, and then, of course, death is the great equalizer. And I say Lee Cushing and his driver will both wind up in the same place. So, so life is a journey. Make the best of it uh, while you can and be happy every day. Thank you. Pleasure. Now you're off to more interviews today. No, 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 no.